We're kicking off a new series called Conversations Today, a series on prayer. And today I want to talk to you from this thought. You got to pray. You got to pray. Think about this with me just for a moment. How did you learn how to pray? Just think, think about that. Who, who taught you how to pray? Daddy, mama, grandpa, grandma, church. How did you learn how to pray? I think about my life and how I learned how to pray. I went to church growing up as a kid, and I learned some about prayer by listening to the pastor, the, the deacon, the leader up front who would do a corporate time of prayer. I also learned from my own family. Now, my, my family didn't pray out loud very often, but on certain occasions they did, and I learned some things from them. Like, I can remember sometimes on Thanksgiving, our family would come in from out of state, and we would have Thanksgiving meal, and before the meal was eaten, there would be a prayer time. And I can remember somebody offering grace, and the prayer went something like this. Lord, thank you for our family that can gather on Thanksgiving. Thank you for these gifts that have been prepared for us. And the Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. And after the prayer was over, immediately some of the adults would utter words like this. So it would go, amen, and somebody would go, Jesus wept. Somebody else would say, the Lord is my shepherd. Somebody else might say, I shall not want. And somebody else might say, God is love. And I thought, what are y'all doing? We just prayed for the food. I don't see what Jesus wept had anything to do would eat this Thanksgiving dinner. And how many of you grew up in a family that did that right there? You know, some of y'all know what I'm Jesus wept. And y'all, I, I, I still don't know why my family did that. And maybe you can educate me after church and let me know, because I can't find that in the Bible nowhere. And, but, but, but that was a family tradition, what we did. And, and, you know, I thought about doing this. You know, as a kid, you got crazy thoughts. You know, I, I thought, you know, maybe I should have done this. You know, at the, the prayer ended. Amen. Somebody said, Jesus wept. Somebody said, God is love. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I, I should have just said, Judas hung himself. I'm, y'all just quoting scripture. I'm just quoting the Bible. I mean, I don't know what y'all, Jesus wept. Judas hung. I mean, I, I really throw them off. Jesus wept. The Lord is my shepherd. I want an Atari game. Amen. How many of y'all remember Atari, huh? Uh, get me some Tecmo Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Uh, where you at a Tecmo Bowl? I mean, I, I, you know, my family did some things regarding prayer that I still don't get today. I picked it up from them, but don't know why in the world they did that. And a lot of us are like that. We learned a lot of things from our family, our past, our tradition, maybe a church we grew up in. And we don't even know why they did it, why we do what we do. We do some things in prayer, some of us that, that are not even scriptural, they're not even biblical, but we do them because we, we learned it. It was passed on to us. And Jesus knew this was a struggle. He knew we would struggle with this thing on how to pray and how to do it right and how to do it effectively. And, and, and Jesus taught us how to pray. You see, one day his disciples, and these were Jewish boys, they, they grew up with Jewish customs and learning Jewish prayers and memorizing them and quoting Jewish prayers. They, they, they went to the temple as Jewish boys to offer prayers. And yet one day, the, those Jewish boys saw Jesus praying and, and he was praying differently than, than how they grew up and what they knew. And so they one day just asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us 
how to pray. Because obviously some of our traditions, some of the things we learn, some of the things we grew up with, it's obviously not how you're praying. And we want to know how to pray. And just maybe, just maybe you haven't been praying correctly. Just maybe there's some things about prayer that you might not be aware of. And so Jesus took time to teach us how to pray. Let's look at that together. Number one is this. How did Jesus teach us to pray? What did he teach us about prayer? Number one is find a time and a place to pray. A time and a place to pray. Now, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 in a few moments. And I encourage you to get your iPhone out and get your version up or your Bible that you have that you can follow along with me in the Scriptures. But before I get to Matthew chapter 6, I want to turn your attention just this one time away from Matthew 6 and look at Psalms chapter 63 and verse number 1. The psalmist wrote these words about prayer and spending time with God. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Everybody shout early. Now, now, I did some study this week and looked this up in the Hebrew, and the word early literally means to pray, seek God before 5 a.m., early, 5 a.m. And if you want to connect with God, it's before 5 a.m. I'm just playing, church. I'm just playing. Uh, some of you are about to lose your mind up in here, huh? Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says early. Early means it's early. And, and what, 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 the, what, the, what the psalmist is driving home here is, listen, I have a time to pray. I have a set time early in the morning. I spend time with God. Now, now for me, it may not fit your schedule. For me, about 6.20 in the morning is when I get up, I go into my office, my, my, my prayer room, I sit in my chair, and I spend time praying to the Lord. That's my set time that I, I pray and I seek the Lord early in the morning. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a time that you pray? A time to pray is so crucial, a time and a place. Let's continue to dive into this thought, finding a time and a place to pray in Matthew chapter 6 as Jesus is setting us up to teach us the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6 and verse 5 says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Jesus says prayer is not a show. Prayer is not about a performance. You see, prayer is about an audience of one, your heavenly father. He goes on to say, I tell you the truth that you have received, they have received their reward in full. Those who pray on the street corners, those who pray to be seen by men, those who put on a performance that they have received their reward in full, Jesus says, verse six. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray. Now, this is so important. I want to read it again. Jesus focuses us in on, if you want to pray and pray right, have a connection with God, he says, find a place to pray. Notice what he says, but when you pray. Hey, disciples, you just asked me, you want to know how to pray? You, you, you want to see some things that I'm doing different than you're doing different? He says, you, you, you want to pray like, your, like me, perfect, sinless, ne- ne- never have done anything wrong? You want to be like me? When you pray, go into your room. Close the door, find a secret place by yourself, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. 
What kind of prayers does God reward? Those who pray in secret. They go into the room, they close the door, and they pray. Church, a great prayer life is more than just praying on the run. Now, now you can pray on the run, and there's nothing wrong with praying on the run, but a great prayer life is not just praying on the run. It's a part of prayer. I mean, no doubt you can pray as you're driving down I-44 early in the morning to head to work with your radio blasting, your cell phone ringing, and you're putting makeup on your face. I mean, you can pray like that. You, you can pray on the run. I mean, you, you can pray as you're on the way to school and you offer prayers, Lord, don't let there be a test, don't let there be a test, don't let there be a test. You can, you can pray. You can pray like that. You, you can pray on the run as you're on your way to pick up this young lady for your first date. And you can pray, Lord, let her like me, let her like me, let her like me. Lord, I want a second date with her, let her like me. You can pray like that. You can pray on the run. You can pray after you get pulled over by the police officer. Lord, don't let me get a ticket, don't let me get a ticket, don't let me get a ticket. Anybody pray like that this week, huh? Yeah, there's a few of you. Don't let me get a ticket. Don't let me. And you can pray like that. There's nothing wrong with that. But here, hear hear what Jesus says. A great prayer life begins with finding a place to pray, a time and a place, not just praying on the run, a time and a place to pray. You say, Herbert, why is finding a time and a place to pray so important? Let me tell you why. Because prayer One of the key reasons we pray is to build a relationship with God. It's to develop a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And friends, if all you do is pray on the run, you will never, your relationship with God will never be what it could be and what it should be. He says, if you want to pray, go into the room and close the door. I think about my relationship with my wife, Tiffany. We have a, a great relationship, but can I tell you, it would never be what it could be and should be if my wife and I only talked on the run. And life's busy for us, and we could justify talking just on the run. You know, four little kids, and one's in school, another one's getting ready to start school, and there's football practice and swimming lessons, and you're picking up the kids today. i got to drop off him. Are you going to the store? Are you going to pay this bill? You, hey, Herbert, can you do this? And we could talk. We, we could just spend our entire married life talking on the run, and that's a part of married life. But can I tell you, the thing that keeps my wife and I so connected, having depth to our relationship, is two to three times a month. We get a babysitter, and we go on a date, and we sit across the table from one another. We talk, and there is depth and richness to our relationship because we spend one-on-one time together. One of the reasons we have a great relationship is two or three times a year we hire a babysitter. We go on an overnight trip to a hotel without the kids, and we just sit, and we talk, and we hang out, and we connect with one another. One of the reasons is we put our kids to bed early, 7, 30, 8 o'clock. It's bedtime for you parents that have older kids. Go to your room. Don't come out. Amen. It's mommy and it's mommy and daddy time. It's mommy and daddy time. And we sit and we talk and we hang out and we relax together because one of the keys for my wife and I to have a rich, deep, intimate relationship is we have to spend time one on one. We have to pull away from the hustle and bustle and just talking on the run and spend time talking to one another. 
And that's what Jesus is communicating. Listen, if you want to develop a relationship with your heavenly father, you need to go into the room and close the door. You say, Herbert, I'm way too busy. I'm too busy. I got a busy life. I've got the kids, the grandkids. I got work. I got a hectic schedule. Life is way too busy. I'm way too tired to go into the room and close the door. I can only pray on the run. Cool. Just just continue to pray on the run. Just continue, continue to do what you, you're doing. But when you decide you want to pray, pray. I'm not just talking about pray. When you want to pray, pray. Jesus said, hey, I, I, I know you Jewish boys. You've been praying on the run and praying as you get on your mule and pray. If you want to pray, pray, go into the room. Close the door and spend time talking to your heavenly father. Friends, can I tell you, if you will put this one point into practice in your life, And if you will do this first point consistently, find a time and a place to pray, it will revolutionize your life. Not just your prayer life. Your entire life will be revolutionized if you will find a time and a place daily to spend with God. Can I tell you, it'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you treat people. It'll change your attitude. It'll change your perspective on life. It will change everything. Jesus said, hey, hey, you want to know how to pray? You want to know how to pray? Find a time and a place and go into the room. And close the door. And Jesus says something so awesome, so awesome. He says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Somebody, a light bulb just went on your head. Is that what I'm doing wrong? Is that why I haven't got a new car yet? Oh, my Lord, honey, when I get home from church, I'm going to the room. And I'm closing the door. I mean, if God's going to reward me, and, and part of rewarding you, God does, he does answer prayer. But part of the reward that Jesus is driving home is you're going to have a rich relationship with your heavenly father because a key component to prayer is developing a relationship with your heavenly father where you know him, you're close to him, you know his heartbeat. You have relationship and intimacy with the God of the universe. You want to pray, pray? Go into the room and close the door. Number two is this. Jesus teaches us the second thing about prayer. Now, we're not even to the Lord's Prayer yet. It's a couple of verses away. But Jesus is just setting up the atmosphere. You want to know how to pray? Here's some things you need to keep in mind if you want to have a great prayer life. Number two is this. Realize prayer is more than asking God for stuff. It's more than asking God for stuff. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7 and 8, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Friends, prayer is not about repeating long and memorized prayers. Prayer is not about repeating the same words over and over again. Jesus says, listen, I know that's what the pagans do. I know people are going to the temple and they're praying the same things over and over and over and over and over and over again because they think if they pray it over and over and over and have vain repetition, then I'll answer their prayers. But that's not what prayer is all about. Matter of fact, Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, and he didn't give us that prayer to repeat it over and over again. He gave us that prayer as a model, as a model of how we should pray. He goes on to say in verse 8, do not be like them, those who just say the same thing over and over and over and over again. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Wow! Your father knows what you need before you ask him. And to that, many of us would go, what? 
You're telling me God already knows what I need before I ask him? I mean, Herbert, I thought prayer was getting along with God and asking him to meet my needs, asking for a bunch of stuff. And now you're telling me that Jesus says that my heavenly father already knows what I need? I mean, Herbert, if I go into the room and I close the door, what in the world am I going to pray about if I don't pray about me? I'm confused. If God knows already what I need, what should I pray about? What should I say? I mean, obviously, it's got to be more than just asking God for stuff because God already knows what I need before I ever ask him. And please hear me. Jesus is not saying don't ask God for stuff. He's simply driving home the point that prayer is more than bless me, help me, touch me, 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 me. Prayer is more than asking God for stuff. And you're thinking, well, Herbert, when I go into the room and I close the door, what should I pray about? And Jesus gives us three components to a great prayer life. Three components to a great prayer life. Number one is this. Start with God, not yourself. Start with God, not yourself. Notice as we look at this Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 9, this then is how you should pray. No, 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 Lord, I, I, I know how to pray. I, I know what to do. I mean, Grandma taught me, Jesus wept. I, I get prayer. No, 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 no. Let me teach you how to pray. You haven't discovered everything about prayer. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, I want you to notice when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he lets us know that prayer is not just asking God for stuff. A great prayer life involves worshiping your heavenly father. Let me be honest with you. Too often I fall into the trap and I was better this week because I was studying this message. But too often I fall into the trap of going into my prayer room and closing the door and beginning my prayers with Lord, it's me again. I need you to bless my wife, bless my kids. I need you to bless people's church. You know that we need this. Lord, I need you to show up over here. Lord, keep us healthy. Lord, protect. And I start my entire prayer time, and my whole time with God is focused on me. And Jesus said, you want to know how to pray? You want to pray, pray? Go into the room and close the door, and don't start with you. Start with me. Start by worshiping me. Start by praising me. Start by declaring my greatness. You say, Herbert, I don't know how to do that. Man, open the book of Psalms. It's, it's a wonderful book with praises to God. Find the Psalms. That maybe one that says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And begin to praise him and magnify him. Jesus says, you want to know how to pray? Don't start with you. Start with God. And can I tell you, if you will start with God, it'll change everything about your prayer. It'll change your perspective, your heart, because you'll realize this is not all about me, it's about him. And I adore you and I worship you and I magnify you and I lift your name on high. You want to pray, pray, go into the room, close the door. Don't start with you. Start with me. Number two is this. The second component of prayer Jesus teaches us is surrender your life to God. Surrender your life to God. I'm driving this home today because so many, many of us have a wrong thinking about prayer. Hear this again. A great prayer life is more than just asking God for stuff. 
It's about surrendering your life to God. And Jesus says in the next verse, Matthew 6 and verse 10, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, a great prayer life involves praying for God's kingdom to come, for God's will to be done in our world, his will to be done in our nation, his will to be done in our state, his will to be done in our city, his will to be done in our home, his will to be done in our lives. And friends, it's easy to pray for God's will to be done in our world. It's easy for you and I to pray for God's will to be done in our nation or in our, in our city or in our, in, our, in our state. It's easy for us to pray that, but it gets real difficult to pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in our home and in our lives. You know why? Because oftentimes that requires you and I to have to change. And it gets really difficult to surrender to God's kingdom coming and his will to be done. Let me give you an example of prayer and surrendering to God's will. Prayer and surrendering. Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 39. This is Jesus. This is just a few hours before he's getting ready to die a horrific death on the cross. And honestly, he doesn't want to do it. Jesus does not want to die this way. He doesn't want a crown of thorns on his head. He does not want to be spit upon. He does not want his beard plucked out. He does not want a spear in his side. He does not want to do it. And he finds a place to pray. And the scripture says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. God the Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass me. Don't let me die like this. Don't let me pay this price. If there's any other way, I really don't want to do this. I'm in this place of prayer because prayer is a place where I surrender my will to your will. Prayer is a place where not my kingdom comes, but your kingdom comes. And I really don't want to do this. But I'm in a place of brokenness in prayer. And God, not my will, but your will be done. Verse 40, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? We've been praying an hour. He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Verse 42, he went away. He found a place to pray. He went away a second time and prayed. My father If it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. In other words, Jesus comes back a second time. Hey, hey, God, it's me again. (laughs) If you didn't hear me the first time, I just want to check with you because, listen, I really don't want to have to do this. I mean, I really don't want to die like this. If there's any way for this cup to pass, be passed, and the sins of the world could be paid for, please do it another way. I don't want to die like this. I don't want to suffer this horrific death. I don't want you to turn your back on me. I don't want to go through this. But I'm in this place of prayer because prayer is a place where I surrender my will to your will. And, Lord, I'm simply at this place where I say your will be done and not my will. Scripture goes on to say in verse 43, when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. He's now at a place the third time. Lord, just one last time. I don't want to have to do this. 
My flesh doesn't want to do it. I know my spirit is willing, but I'm telling you, my body says no, no, no. And I really don't want to do this. But I'm in this place of prayer. And Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. And you know, the interesting thing to me is I think about Jesus and all the miracles he performed. When Jesus raised Lazarus, Lazarus from the dead, he prayed one short prayer. And he prayed it one time. I mean, Lazarus came forth. He prayed something like, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm praying this prayer not, not, not for my sake, but, but for their sake. They're, they're, the followers here, they're here. And I'm praying that you heal that. Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> Boom! There he goes. But when it came to Jesus surrendering his will to his heavenly Father's will, when it came to Jesus surrendering his kingdom to God's kingdom, he prayed on three different occasions, probably more than likely a few hours of prayer. Because it's difficult to surrender your will to your heavenly fathers. And matter of fact, Luke's account of this story in Luke 22, verse 43 through 44, it says that Jesus prayed so earnestly that his sweat was like drops of blood. I mean, this was agonizing. He was calling out, oh God, I don't want to do this. Oh God, if there's another way. Oh God, don't let me die like this. I don't really want to die. Oh, and he's praying so intently. The Bible says his sweat is coming down like drops of blood. Because you know what, God? It's difficult for me to surrender my will to your will. And I realize that's what prayer one component is all about. And maybe for you it's a relationship. And you're dating this young lady and she doesn't know the Lord. And you know what the scripture says, that don't be unequally yoked. And here you are in a, in a place of prayer. And you're going, God, I, I, I love her. Lord, I, I know she doesn't know you and she's not serving you. But, oh, God, I got feelings for her. But, God, as I'm in this place of prayer, I know that this place is, is a place where I surrender my will to your will. My flesh wants her. I do not want to leave her. But, God, your will be done. Maybe you're living together. And you're living together and you're not married and engaging in sex outside of marriage. And you know what God's word says, but you know your flesh. I mean, the body is so weak and the spirit is willing. And yet when you find a time and a place to pray and you spend time with God, it may not happen the first time or the second time, but you spend time and you go, God, oh God, my flesh is weak. But oh God, I'm here and I surrender my will because listen, it's not about my kingdom coming. It's about your kingdom. Well, not my will be done. Your will be done. Maybe it's in the marriage relationship and things are going sour and you're not getting along and you're arguing and you, you hate him, you hate her, you're mad at each other, you don't even talk, you won't even look at each other, you sleep in the same bed, your backs are facing one another, and, uh, face to, to the wall, and your, your face is facing the wall, you don't even talk, you don't look at each other, you don't want to talk to one another, and you're mad, and yet you find a time and a place to pray, and you spend time with God. And you get to a place where you say, Lord, you know what, I don't like him, I don't like her, I can't believe he did that, I can't believe she did this, but Lord, you know what? I surrender my, I know you hate divorce. I know you want this marriage to work. And Lord, I'm going to do what it takes. Change my attitude. Change my heart. Give me love. Help me to take the right steps. Not my will be done. Your will be done. Maybe it's in the financial arena and, and you, you keep piling up debt and debt and debt. And man, you're a shopaholic and you're spending all your money, credit card debt. Your life is spinning out of control financially. And you're at this place of prayer. You find a time and a place to pray. And you realize prayer is about surrendering your will to God's will. Not just asking God for stuff, but a place of surrender. And you're praying, oh God, help me, Lord. How do I turn my finances around? And Lord, help me to tithe and put you first. Help me to manage my money well. Help me to save. Help me to invest. Help me to pay down this debt. Oh God, I know it's going to require 
required me to change my habits and not eating out so much and, and, not, and, and not going to the mall all the time. But God, not my will be done. Your will be done. Maybe it's a career decision. I think about Shelby Johnson, who four and a half years ago came on staff here at People's Church as our care director. And I think about Shelby four and a half years ago when he, had, he was working for the city. He had a nice job, had good benefits, had a retirement account. It was all there laid out for him. And here we are four and a half years ago in People's Church, not the same church that you see today. We were meeting in a movie theater. I mean, here he is at this place going, God, what do you want me to do? I feel like you're calling me into full-time vocational ministry, but this looks a lot more safe than that looks. I don't even know if this church, I mean, I believe it's going to make it. I believe one day we'll buy land and get a bill. I believe it'll turn out right. But God, I'm not real sure. And at a place of prayer, God, this looks a lot more lucrative, but not my will. Your will be done. One of the key components of prayer is getting your will aligned to your Heavenly Father's will. Number three is this. There's a, a third component I want you to see about prayer, and that's, that is this. Depend on God for everything. Depend on God for everything. And many of us, including myself, we, we struggle with this point. Because we like to depend on ourselves. We like to be self-reliant kind of people. We like to try to make it on our own. And maybe not in every area, but, but in some areas. We, we can take care of this, God. But what God wants is for us to be totally, absolutely, 100% dependent on him. And I want to point out three areas that Jesus draws our attention to about depending on God for everything. Number one is this. God wants us to depend on him for daily provision. Daily provision. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 6, the next verse, verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. We should depend on God to meet all of our daily needs. And friends, here's what I want you to see here. I've been talking and pointing you against this because most of us spend all of our time here. But I do want you to notice that Jesus says a part of prayer is asking God to meet your daily needs. We should do that. Now, that's not the totality of what prayer is all about. But a part of prayer is saying, God, I'm in this place of prayer. Lord, bless me. Help me. Lord, provide for my daily needs. Lord, provide the food that we need on the table for the kids. Lord, bless the kids with clothes. Lord, open the door. Lord, provide the new job. That is a part of prayer. Matter of fact, Scripture says that we have not because we ask not. So we should present our prayers and request to the Lord. We should depend on him for daily provision. Number two is this, depending on God for everything. God wants us to depend on him for forgiveness. Forgiveness. Matthew 6 and verse 12, Jesus says, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We find a time and a place to pray. We start with God and not ourselves. We surrender our lives and our wills to God. And we depend on God for everything. We pray for our daily provision. Then we, the scripture says, pray, Lord, forgive me. I know I had a wrong attitude yesterday. I know I wasn't nice to my spouse. I know I was wrong with my kids. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me. And Lord, help me to forgive others, Lord. Lord, I'm asking you to help me to have a right heart. That This person makes me mad. They irritate me. Don't really like them. And Lord, give me a right heart. Help me to respond in the right way. And so this place of prayer, when you go into the room and close the door, is depending on God for forgiveness. If you miss the weak courage to forgive, get online, download it free, watch it online for free, courage to forgive. Just a few weeks ago, I talked about that. Number three is this, 
depend on God for everything. God wants us to depend on him for protection, for protection. Notice how Jesus wraps this up in Matthew 6 and verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Find a time and a place to pray. And a part of prayer is, Lord, protect me. Lord, keep me from sin. Lord, keep me from falling into temptation. Lord, keep my family Protect us. Keep. I know the enemy came to kill, steal, and to destroy. Lord, protect our family. Put a hedge of protection around us. And in the place of prayer, we should depend on God for protection, for daily provision, and for forgiveness. Find a time and a place to pray. Start with God, not yourself. Surrender your life, your heart, your will to His. And depend on God for everything. Father, thank you for your word. Thanks for your presence.